and welcome to the podcast. Today we have a special episode for you with guest host Trent Booth and featuring Cutco sales professional Vani Fast. What's special about this episode is that this is literally two old friends having a conversation about when they both started with Cutco in Calgary, Canada back in 1993, about growing up together in the business, about life, success, challenges, and a whole lot more. This is a candid and authentic interaction between two people whose relationship goes back over 26 years. I hope you enjoy Trent Booth with the legendary Cutco sales leader, Vonnie Fast. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. What are you most excited about for the podcast here? Well, you know what? I think, like uh, Angie said, you know, people need to hear your story. And I think uh, if it can help somebody out there, I don't know, the things I go through, the things I've been through, like the transformational moments, uh, yeah, the incredible moments, the struggles, the all that. I think, you know, it's funny because I listen to podcasts now constantly, like always. And um, I can hear similar things being said by different people, sure. but sometimes just the way one person says something, it resonates more deeply with me. If I can be that for somebody out there, that's the, so I know this is about me and my story, but I'm really trying to think of it as not like from an ego place of uh, mm-hmm. this is about me. It's actually who can listen to this and get something from it. Changing the world through knives. Look at you. Right. Right. It's amazing. Cutco has been like the only constant in my life. Is that nuts? Like that is actually interesting. But it's just, it's so interesting. I've given a talk about that at a conference once to, like, it was an SSC2, like, a year and a half ago. And I was saying that so much has happened in my life. Like, you know, I had two five-year relationships that didn't work out, like, serious relationships. You know, I've gone through coming out of the closet. I've gone through, like, taking care of my niece when my sister was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Like, crazy life stuff, right? And then through all of that, 26 years of it, Cutco. <laughs> Cutco has been the constant. Who would have thought the entrepreneurial roller coaster would have been the constant? But it is. It's uh it's now you weren't insane. looking for an entrepreneurial opportunity. So when did you you started you and I started within weeks of each other, which is crazy because we're talking 1993. Dude, I know. 93. 93. 93. Yeah. <laughs> like 
Jurassic Park had not come out yet. So we start in the spring of 1993. Neither had Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I talk, yeah, we won't talk all about that. Ellen was straight. I mean, right? 20 years ago. Oh, man. Right? She's, uh, she's on a sitcom, right? What? She was on a sitcom, Ellen, right? That's fun. Oh, she sure was. So you were 18, right? I was 18. I, I, I just turned 19. Okay. So I, I'm a, I'm a baby. I'm 19. Right. So I'm selling knives. You were going to university of Calgary, right? Sure. Sure was. Yeah. I was taking marketing at UFC. Yeah. So you're taking marketing and unconventionally you were riding the bus. Yeah, totally. Unconventionally. Uh, like you'd you. have been not accepted for the interview at most offices today. Really? Oh uh, yeah. Well, that's a hiring. Yes. Process. You you can't, you can't be here. You can't, you read the bus. <laughs> so you're not gonna be able to do the job. But right. like, seriously though, you sold, tell me about the first year. Tell me about year one. Year one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was on the bus and for me, that was my normal. Like I remember Joe Grushkin, who was the national sales manager at the time. Like I sold 30 grand on the bus. Like I got to FSM uh, on the bus and, uh, field sales manager, you, you get to the top sales position we have at the time, yeah. riding the bus. So yeah. that means your appointments are how far apart? Two hours? Oh, for sure. Like I remember I could only schedule three appointments in a day. That was a full day or maybe four would be max because it would be two hours between places. And sometimes I would get Mrs. Jones and Mr. Jones to drive me to the next one. Like I was doing alley-oop, but for rides when I was like, I was, they were Uber before there was an Uber, my clients and helping me and feeding me. And I remember getting caught in like minus 30 here you know, on the bus and I was lost, like in the wrong area of the city at bus, you know, I mean, but for me, what was so cool, I remember Joe Grushman being like, you need to get a car. Like we're looking at you for management, you know, or whatever, you need to get a car. Right. And I was kind of resistant because I was like, I like the bus. I like sitting and reading my books and doing my homework. Right. And so it's kind of like, I made the best of it. I didn't really think of it as being out of the norm. Like it wasn't, it was my normal. So it wasn't a big deal, but I remember, um, I think my first summer was transformational for me. I never really expected to do the knife thing longer than one summer. I was just going to do it part-time, get 40 appointments in. Back then, the pay period was 40 appointments. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. You had to do 40 appointments before you got paid. Like if The base pay, paid, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The base pay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So Commissions were rolling by then in some totally, cases. Right. Yeah. 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 And I was listening to John Carpenter yesterday on this podcast, and he was saying he didn't even sign the base pay sheet. But for me... Oh yeah. Because he was so confident he would sell. And for me, I knew it was a good product, but I didn't think I'd sell a thing. Right. So right. I was super focused on I'm just gonna do 40 appointments, get paid the base pay, and then quit sure. and put it on my resume. That was my real dream. Wow. <laughs> wow. And uh, I would say I started on that track and then I started selling despite myself. I wasn't even quote unquote trying. And I was so surprised. Like when someone, my family, friend of the family first. Like I said, do you want to go ahead and get the set? And, and I still remember he's like, sure. And I was like, no, like I couldn't believe that someone was in it. You know, I saw the value, but I didn't think I was going to sell it really. You know, so I kind of started selling it. I started to really appreciate and kind of enjoy the people in the relationship piece the first summer more than I thought I would. And then I went to NSC 93. That was like, you remember? I, in Toronto. Yeah. And That's right. Only, we flew from Calgary to Toronto. It's like yeah. Montana to New York for a conference. Cool. And we were teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I'll tell you, I'll be totally transparent. One of the, the reason I went is because I got to fly on a plane. I was like, I've never been on a plane before. 
And so that's actually was the real pull. But wow. then that conference changed everything for me. Sure. I was there a moment that you can reach back to that? Hey, that's a touchstone moment for me. Definitely. Definitely. Like it was a milestone or transformational moment because I saw people getting their FSM. Remember the F- FSM walk? I don't yes. know if they still do that. But um, I remember that that people were going up and there was this rep in our office, Corey Fuller. I think he was getting his mm-hmm. FSL, I think. Yeah, yeah. FSL or something. Yeah. And he was so not like the typical sales guy. He was so quiet and yeah. respected him. Yeah. And I saw these people getting their promotions and I looked at them and I saw their confidence and I saw something they had that I didn't have within myself. I felt. Mm. And so it was in this moment, and this is like, for me, I learned the lesson of the power of a decision in a moment to change the trajectory of your life. Because I actually, in that moment at NSC, watching those FSMs and, you know, maybe it was hearing one of them talk. I can't remember exactly the specific moment, but I was like, I want to be that. Wow. I want to get to, and to me, FSM was symbolic of, if I hit that, maybe I'll become more what I see here. It's So I guess for me, my journey has always been, who am I becoming as I work, as I sell, as I build? this business. And so that was a transformational. And then I was so focused on it. Wow. Yeah. That's over 26 years ago. You are now the number one sales rep in all of Canadian history, still going, still current, still active. And yeah. uh, Drew, maybe you may be higher, but I'm going to call you number five out of hundreds of thousands of Cutco sales reps in history. You're number five after starting right. on the bus, uh, thinking you right. might do this for 40 demos and then out yeah. and uh, look at you now. Uh, career sales, Bonnie, where, where are the career sales at now today? You're over... I think uh, close to $6 million. $6 million. I'm not even going to adjust for uh, for Canadian dollars. I'm just going to say $6 million is a career in... Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible. $6 yeah. million. Uh, a demo at a time and a realtor at a time. But what are some other... Uh, so you had NSC National Sales Conference 93, where they played uh, right now by Van Halen on a loop for three <laughs> days. So- so I mean, I'm triggered now when I hear it still, it's, it takes me right back. Totally um, that's so funny. So you start this as a part-time, you're a marketing student. At some point though, you start to consider a career. Hey, this could be a career. This mm. could be something I'd like to at least do coming out of college, university. Right. Yeah. Walk me through that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I hit FSM the beginning of my second summer through school. So uh, I had that second summer selling as an FSM. And uh, beside Clovis, beside Angie, beside you, I think you were the AM at that time. Yeah, it's just pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, totally. Pilot, yeah. And it was such an incredible summer. I remember making like whatever I, I don't know, twelve or thirteen, making twelve or thirteen thousand or whatever that summer, maybe more. And then uh, the opportunity, third year university, the opportunity was there for a branch, and I just, um, you know, for me, it wasn't like I'm going to make this a first career. I was like, okay, it was, it was always like, sure. you know, I'm going to do get to FSM and then, okay, you know what? Maybe branch makes sense now for me. And mm. this is a new stretch, a new challenge. So I decided I would branch the first, uh, my first time, the third year university. And I went to St. Albert. Yeah. And I, I branched that summer and I branched this, the final summer of my university. So I have two branch offices under my belt. And then and where I, did you go for your branches? I went to St. Albert was my first branch. And that was also, there was a transformational moment in there. Uh, which I'm happy to share about. And then I so I was penciled in for St. Albert before I went no to way. Montreal. I was before I went to Montreal. So I could have been there. So walk me through. You go to St. Albert, which is just outside Edmonton. It's a little territory. It is. Yeah. It's, it's just not a, big. Yep. Yeah, it's three and a half hour drive from my hometown of Acton, a little small town. But I was living in Calgary University at the time. 
And I just, I remember, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, I mean, I, I mean, everybody was like, you're a success regardless of what happens. You know, you open an office, you're already successful. And there was something to me there about building a team and trying and sort of just stretching myself outside of my comfort zone. So I opened and I remember I got to share this moment. I had 45 people scheduled. I was so hyper. I was so excited. I, I'd been beaming through my first week of interviews of, you know, scheduling people for training. I was doing my thing, 45 people scheduled. And I think training start time came. So you'd be expecting roughly 12 to 15, maybe even 20 people. Hey, if 25 people showed up, you wouldn't be blown. It'd been exciting, but you you have nice expectations going into that seminar. Yeah, reasonable, right? Like I knew the percentages of people to show, you know, show to training or whatever. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm probably gonna go. so excited. Right. I was gonna bring people, I'm gonna trap people, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna help them. Oh, I'm gonna help people. Totally. What and happened? It was crickets. Crickets at the start time of training. I actually I was like, what's going on? I actually went, we we were in the second floor of a strip mall and I went downstairs. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. Sure. The first, sure. I went downstairs to check if they had locked the door during the Hoping day. there's I eight had, people outside waiting <laughs> to get totally in. Lined up. <laughs> and i will tell you no one came like zero. not even one person zero and zero and they didn't call no we had zero for 45 yeah and, and i'm like were they all on a bus and that just you know it's it's delayed and like i remember calling joe cardillo and uh miss my manager at the time and i completely i could feel it in my body like the winds out of my sails right yeah. and I talked to him. I can't remember if I cried or I was so disappointed. I was so frustrated. I'm like, Joe, I can't believe it. And I just remember he's like, he listened. I've told him about this moment, but he listened. He's like, you know what? Maybe it's good that no one showed because you have three full days. Like he found the silver lining for me that I couldn't see. And he's like, you have three full days to sign that city or that town Mm. and go all over. You have cleared your schedule. (laughs) And I'll tell you, it was like this disappointment into an opportunity. And I, right there, I actually said to Joe, I said, uh, I will follow you anywhere. And look at me. I'm still following Joe Cardillo to this day. I just felt like, and this was a lesson in leading or leaning into leadership. Hmm. Uh, There's been many times in, in my life I've leaned on Joe, Angie, you know, my leadership, my people, right? Uh, John Kane. And it was like, what can I control given this situation? And also sometimes like when you can't see it for yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we're isolated as entrepreneurs, right? Doing our little right. stuff here and in, mm-hmm. in the office and we can call it. But sometimes you just, you can't see it on your own. So you need people. And that was a really big moment. Yeah. Sometimes we get stuck and it just takes somebody to help us get unstuck just to move forward, just to yeah. give us a different perspective. And uh, you mentioned there, Joe, we had such a great time with him on the podcast, just celebrating moments like that. And what Joe could do is he would do it in a way that wasn't cliche. It wasn't dismissive. Like he heard you. And at the same time, he was still almost indomitably positive, like in a way that (laughs) he could be that for me, even when I couldn't. And I know he could, he could do that for you. And the power of that moment, because Hey, it would have been reasonable, Vani, to quit. I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs with a failure to launch moment like that might say, you know what? It's not for me. I'm out. And uh, nobody would blame you. They'd go, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's you know reasonable. Up, that <laughs> yeah, you did well. Good there. shot. Good try. Uh, but you kept going. And you think about the power of that moment and being able to reach into other people and, and help 
they helped you see something that uh, something that you could do differently to be able to get to move forward. That's uh, what a great story. Sure. And I'll share that I blanketed that town with signs and I went all over that community and into Edmonton and Innisfail. And the next week I had 40 some scheduled again. And it's still crazy. I only had five or six people show. But in that group was Ryan Hart and Troy Hart. And oh, wow. I remember them. They, they were my first FSMs. They were my first branch office. They, it just unbelievable, right? So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'd take that, by the way, to have a, like a, eventually a, a varsity starter, so, you know, two of them out of five cool. people. That's, those are pretty good numbers there. In fact, Bonnie, you went on to have a, a pretty successful, not only branch summer and second branch summer, but you went career, you went district. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. So walk me through, hey, I'm, I've done this for a couple of summers. I've, you've got some great development. I mean, those names, the Hart brothers still hold up today, right? Yeah. Memorable stories, at least for us from Canada. Yeah. Outstanding, outstanding leaders. So you decide, hey, I've got a shot at going district. Yeah. yeah. And the opportunity came for North Calgary. And I think Angie was uh, going to open South Calgary. And uh, I just, you know, there was part of me that was like, ah, should I go travel, to, you know, do go backpacking across Europe or do I open my office? And it's like, you know what, this opportunity is here now. Let's yeah. take it. And um, it just made sense for me, you know, upon graduation to just uh, follow this path that had been sort of seemingly laid out before me. Mm-hmm. And so I opened my office. So I opened my district office. I had some skills, right? I knew how to interview. I knew how to train. Sure. You had some so, development too. You had some sharp sharp kids with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing. And so that first, uh, I hit president's banquet, I think my first year, rookie yeah. year as a DM, I opened in May or whatever it was right after I graduated. And, uh, that was that. And then the following year hit and I went through a really, really challenging time with my identity. Like that was the year I came out of the closet. I chose to tell the people in my life that I was gay, like Ellen had just come out. I mean, 20 years ago, it was a bit of a different world. I'm still hard today, I imagine, for people, but, and I know for people it is, but back then it was, there wasn't a lot of people that were doing that or publicly doing that. And for me, sharing that with my family, grew up in a Christian home, it just, it was, I'll tell you, it, it was so incredible to be authentic and true to myself in that way. And I knew that it was the right thing for me to do but it was not easy. (laughs) Like my parents did not react well. Sure. Like, and I had to, suddenly I found myself in a place where I was feeling emotions and unable to start, stop crying. And, and just like, I was feeling things I never, I, so I felt like I had to navigate this emotional landscape that I'd never been before. And uh, I remember leaning pretty heavily on Angie at the time. Angie, can you run my key staff meeting? Can't do it today. Like she was so there for me personally and professionally. It was incredible. And I I just remember uh, making the choice eventually to let management at my position go because I just didn't feel like I could take care of other people at that time. Like I really felt like I needed to take care of myself, handle what was coming up. And so I made the decision to go travel you know, find quote unquote, find myself. Yeah. Uh, I realized you bring yourself everywhere you go. I mean, I had a blast, uh, traveling, but then I came back and I was like, what do I do now? You know, Vonnie, for, I, I want to come back to this, but I want to just fill in some of the blanks here. Cause there's context. Cause you were running the number one office in Canada at the time. Like you had a successful organization with a lot of great development that eventually Angie would take over and, and absorb. So Calgary is kind of united again. 
And she never looked back. I mean, she crushed me for years after that. The house that Vonnie built. And all of a sudden, you know, and Joe, and I'm like, dude, she's cr-. No, obviously, Angie's super <laughs> But the idea is that, like, you, you walked away from something very good. And it financially was working. But you weren't right at a place personally where you could pour into people like the position really does re- require. And uh, it just took a lot of courage, in my opinion, for you to just take time out to kind of get right, kind of find yourself and, and kind of sort through some stuff. But, you know, at the time, I remember we were in Huatulco uh, in Mexico when, totally. when you and I got to yeah. talk through everything. And you're like, I remember talking you know, to you about that. I, I'm like, Bonnie's like shaking over there. What's going on, girl? And you're like, hey, if this was the case, would we still be friends? I'm like, there's nothing you could say or do that would not make me love you. I was like, Bonnie, I love you so much. I don't love you any less. Come on. And I'm just encouraged that in our culture, at Vector at least, it's certainly Vector Canada, that this was something where you had a lot of trepidation. And for sure, if you go back to 1990, this is 98, 97? I think so, 98. Late 90s. It, this yeah. was not It was not a thing. It, it really was... And in business, there was questions like, hey, is this going to disqualify me in business? Like there was questions back then. And uh, I just want to encourage you for having the courage in that moment to step up, know what was going on and, and, to, and to address that. And uh, I'm also encouraged by our, the culture in, in our company yeah. where we're, that, could, that could function. You could still find a place. Yeah. Also for context, so Vonnie goes and you transition out of running an office, which is really the only career option we had at that time was to run an office, right? It? There was no career. Now, people had done it, but we didn't have a name for it. People had, that were it's selling like, as a career, yes. but they were the anomaly. They were the mm. one, not even 1% were going out and just doing this over a lifetime. Yeah. And so walk us through. You go, you go on the walkabout, you go out in the desert, <laughs> and, <laughs> totally. and you come, you come back. Pretty nice, come and, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what happened? So you, you were in Angie's office, and obviously she was a, a source of, of leadership and support for you. Incredible. I'll tell you, you know what, the moment I, I remember coming back and really feeling like, I mean, I had some skills, right? I had clients, a database I had, but my, I'd left my office position, like I'd left my office. But for some reason, what I remember, and this may or may not, but what I remember I had my lease still, but my office was empty. There was a couple desks in it and a phone, the phone lines were still hooked up or something. Mm. But what I remember is um, this definitive moment where I sat on my signs. Like, because there was no chairs or something. Like, I just remember mm. like, sitting on a stack of signs at this desk. I picked up the phone. There was no cell phones. Uh, well, I mean, maybe people had brick-sized cell phones that cost me <laughs> that time. But You didn't have a phone, I, you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was a landline. Yeah, but, yeah. Dude, do you remember, like, we had to, if we wanted to make calls while we were out, oh, we had to bring a roll of quarters and like so stand. you and i would bet ten dollars and we'd bet a ten dollar roll of quarters so we could make phone calls <laughs> that's the technology we were dealing with now my kids we drive by a a, a pay phone they're like what is that i'm like stop that's within our lifetime yes <laughs> stop. yes yeah they don't know what it is and if you got lost you just got lost like you had to look at your map <laughs> I mean, you were just lost. Yeah, there was no just call the customer and find it out. There was no just look at your GPS. No, you have to go back home, call the customer. Find <laughs> yeah, a pay phone, call your customer. I'm in the area. I don't know where you are. Anyway, but I remember. So, uh, so true. You, you make a phone call. Did you call a customer at that point? An old customer, new prospect? What, what did you do? I remember calling. I just was like, you know what? I just need to make calls. I'm going to start this thing again. And I 
Fee, actually, I was listening to Fee Mazanke on this podcast, and she's I've coached with her a couple times in my life. She's incredible. And she said this one phrase, like, have grace with your, like, something about what's one thing I can do right here, right now with what I have. Mm. And I just, that's one thing I knew I could do. I knew I could make calls. My confidence and self-esteem were quite devastated at the time, having gone mm. through this and really, but even it's an identity level struggle. And I was excited for the path I was on because it was real for me and it was authentic and being true to me. But it, it was, yeah, I picked up the phone, I made calls and I booked demos. And I, that was the beginning of what I am now, which is like a career sales professional. And I just, uh, I remember that moment specifically of choosing that direction again. And here I am. And there's so, more moments after that, but that was, yeah, it was big. That was big. Because we were still probably, I'm going to say inside of 10 years, but like at least five or six years, no, seven or eight years away from what we now call career sales professional, CSP, being a, a lifetime career type of position where uh, you can step into this. And you know, you know, because of trailblazers like you, we've got this position, pioneers, but when we didn't have one, part of the reason that I think like a John Kane and Steve Porzik would say, hey, we, we need something is we've got a Vani that is doing this already. <laughs> so at that point, You'd sold like 30 or so grand in a year and, and maybe even 50 or something like that. I mean, where did things switch where you're like, okay, I'm doing all right and I'm making some money to like tearing the doors off and blowing it up? What, what transitioned there? Was there some other relationships with other type, career type people? Was it just what helped you see it bigger? Yeah. You know, interestingly, one of the moments I remember as I started on this uh, quote unquote CSP path was I was starting to sell. I was actually doing pretty well. I was, um, Getting into it, I was starting to build. My confidence started to build back. You know, I earned my confidence back in some way, I guess, just acting versus just thinking about it. And I started, I think I was, there was a moment, I can't remember the year, but I was selling about 50000 per campaign. And back then, so I was about 150000 a year rep. And yeah. back then, that was actually pretty good. You know, I think John so you'd Burkhoff have a shot at winning number one. Yeah. And Berghoff and Elrod, you know, they were doing like 225 and they were doing big things, right? Like that was big back then. And I remember going to a conference again. Here's another conference. (laughs) How about it? Yeah. How about that? And I saw Pinball Clements speak. You remember that CFL football player? And he was like... Originally he was from the States. Yeah. Pinball Clements. Yeah. Mike Clements broke records up a cat at CFL. Yeah. Great speaker too. Great speaker. And he was like yeah. jumping everywhere and whatever. He was like, you know, I don't know, was he a running back? He was like yes. running over chairs in that talk. Like it was, and I guess <laughs> I got pulled into this. I was so inspired by him. I don't even remember what he said, but I remember making another decision. Wow. And I stated it out loud in our little Calgary group after we had a meeting after us. And Angie was facilitating this. And I remember saying, I'm going to do 100 grand in this campaign. And that was at the end of August uh, something. And I was like, I'm going to do 100 grand. And it terrified me to say it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew somebody would show me how. And I engaged with John Berghoff at the time. He was the first coach I'd ever hired personally. And I was like, John, this is what I want to do. Help me do it. And uh, I want to do 100 grand this campaign. And he helped me do it. And I did it. And since then, I don't think I've ever fallen below 100 grand. And I think the lesson I learned is not, not only elicit help to get you to the next level when you can't really like, I know what I want to do, but I, I don't quite know how to do it with, I know how to do 50 per campaign. I don't know how to do a hundred. Sure. And he was just my cheerleader, my everything during that time. And uh, yeah. And the other lesson I learned there is 
once you take something to the next level, like I worked harder that fall than I'd ever worked. Like, obviously it was just do more demos. Like really, <laughs> that was the formula. Yeah. But I had never done that and stretched myself in that way. And I remember feeling like this racehorse. I, I said that to John Berghoff at one point. I'm like, God, I'm working so hard and whatever. And I, my goal was to book 15 appointments a week. That's it. And it, I was working harder than I'd ever worked. And I got there. And now, 100 grand or since then, once I hit that level, it was no longer hard to do like that. Like once I, sure. once I hit a new standard for myself, it was as if, yeah, I could do it then on my own. And it wasn't as quote unquote hard. It wasn't as much. Sure. Yeah. That was the new normal. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I ran five miles and I got all geeked up to run five miles. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna... I took like a gel pack at like two and a half mile marker. And then this is before this is I'm just starting running. When I yeah. started running for the ultra marathon after like John Roman is like, ah, oh, ultra marathon. I'm like, I should do an ultra 50 miles in a day. So I was training for that. It got to the point where I wouldn't put my shoes on for less than five miles. It's right. so funny how what you're describing it becomes that new normal. And then you switch like five miles. I can do that cold right now in dress shoes. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> just funny how you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm selling a hundred grand is much cooler than running five miles. Hear me right. Or even 50 miles, but it became your new normal. And, and then on, this is on the path to becoming one of the greatest customer gift, like branding consultants in Canada, could, not just vector. I'm going to say Canadian history, like in terms of what you do, is becoming very popular, and you're you're speaking even on this topic now. So, try to connect this from like, hey, I, I shipped my first hundred k. This is pretty much direct in home demo by demo. This is this is not events. This is not right. Maybe a little bit of repeat customers, but at that point, that wasn't even really a thing. There was no drip marketing. There was no email. Right. This is like early two thousands. So you now become like the queen of gifting in Cutco and in Canada, walk me through the CGC. Like, how did that start? How did you get there? Well, so this was 12 years ago. So how old was I? 30, 33. And I had been on the CSP path for quite a while now. I was selling about 250, 260 a year. So you're making six figures. 200 to 260. Easily netting six figures selling knives. I mean, you're, it's a good gig. It's a good gig. I paid off mortgage, like of my condo, my loft like good things were happening for sure and uh i remember saying to shayla way actually i remember saying to her on this limo ride i was like you know i'm thinking of spreading my wings i just I just feel like i've mastered my craft i mean i, I mean there was always improvements I, i'm a constant tweaker my wife and i were talking about this last night she's like you have grit she's like you are mm. passionate and persistent like you're constantly tweaking and like what's next and it's never never good enough in a good way like i'm constantly like oh how can i say this that so I, I had just gotten to this place. Like, who am I showing up as? What am I saying? You know, I knew what I was saying. I could go on tangents with clients. I could just, the nuances and, and just help them. And, and I really felt like I was at the top of my game, honestly. Of course, I could have stayed with that game. And, but I was just like, I really want to stay with Cutco. I love these people. I love this product. I don't really want to be anywhere else. At the same time, I'm 33. Do I see myself selling knives when I'm 40? Like, I've gone through that all, every sure. single, like, decade of my life. And then I saw Tony talk about CGC. Tony Carlston. Yeah. 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 Conference. Oh, look. In our company, we just call him Tony. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Tony Tony Carlston. Tony Carlston. Who really pioneered that world, right? Customer gifts. He did. And I'll tell you, so as much as I was like kind of open to something new and whatever, and I didn't want to leave the company, I 
listen to him. And anybody who knows me knows I'm scared of everything. And I just, I must, <laughs> uh, I must like dig deep on my courage all the time to do everything that I got to do. Uh-huh. In but I remember listening to Tony and going, Oh my God, no, not speaking in front of people. That's not something I'm going to do. Like he was talking about getting in front of realtors and 20 realtors and 50 people. I'm like, no. But then I talked to Sybil and this, and she was like, well, this makes sense. And I was like, uh, okay, maybe if you're going to do it, then maybe I'll try. I'll just so try. Another CSP in Canada, Sybil Stipp, right? So- and she was going to do it. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should try. I just like, and I, so I bought the kit and I studied and studied and studied and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, and practiced like a freaking. I'm <laughs> I learned that back in the 26 years ago when I had to learn my leads approach because I had no leads. So I had to actually not reinvent the wheel and learn this thing. And so I just already know, like, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel on this. Sure. Like, Carlston knows the thing. I'm just going to practice it and learn it. And I booked my first team meeting and uh, I was just going to give it a shot. I, again, that whole thing, I tend to walk really like kind of dip in and uh, I'm just going to give this a shot and see where it goes and just do it alongside my residential business. And really from my first couple of meetings and first one-on-ones with uh, realtors, that first team meeting I did, I couldn't sleep the night before. I was so nervous. My eye twitched the entire time. Like, yeah, I'd had opportunities to speak in Cuckoo, but you know me. I hate outside. Yeah. Yeah. This is outside. And also I usually honestly didn't, I mean, it took me three months to prepare for my opening message at the Cutco rep conference one year. And I was so like, these things wrapped my, like, I just got so nervous. And, uh, there was like maybe 12, 15 people in the room. I got almost all the cards. Like for those of people that know the CDC program, you just collect cards and then you book people. And then I sold like, I booked nine appointments after that team meeting. I sold to seven of them, sold like nine grand or something. And I was like, holy sh- sh- shoot. <laughs> <laughs> just about became P- PG 13 for the podcast. That's good. But, I, think uh, you, I think we got a couple more if you need to. That's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I realized, holy, this is amazing opportunity and to leverage that this. And so I did start to focus on it. And um, that was 12 years ago. And now I'm probably missing a lot, but. What are you shipping a year right now? Just to connect this. So there's a time where you're shipping 50 a campaign and then 100 a campaign. So you're north of 300 when nobody was doing it. What are you shipping a year this year? What are you, what are you on track for? Well, so yeah, I think as residential rep, my best year, with combination, some of the CGC was in there was 260 or something. But when I switched to full CGC and then my, I put my residential database more on kind of a, I still connect. But you I serviced them. Yeah, yeah. I started out 325. That was my first year, 325,000. Sybil and I were number one and number two in North America yeah. that year. And then really it's gone up from there. Like it went up to 525,000. And then uh, the market dropped here three years ago. Sure. Um, and then it's so been tough our, in Calgary, oil. Yeah, our business was tough. Yeah. Sure. But I've, I've definitely diversified and done a lot of things to not be a victim to the market. And so yeah, so we're back at about I say we, but yeah, we're back. I'm back at about four. Should do about four, hopefully four twenty five this year. About even it. In, even in a tough market. Yeah, and um, yeah, we're talking four hundred twenty five thousand dollars with a cutco cutlery, and people still walk up to you at barbecues and go, "You still doing the knife thing?" 
Yeah, for sure. That's, that's the, uh, <laughs> in any situation. And it was so cool. I was just, I was working out the other day and I got a text and my clients like, Hey, could I get 10 more of these five more of these sets and it's $3,000 order? I'm like, you know, just that's cool. That's yeah. just really cool. Uh, when, you know, a lot of my businesses reorders 200 and I'll probably do 280,000 this year in reorder business, which is passive reorders. Yeah. And also active, like they see me in the industry, they see me talk again, they reorder, but you know, a lot of it comes passively. Sure. And I think that would be a testament to the relationships that you forge, Vani. I mean, you've got one speed that is authenticity, that is something that's genuine. And I think people really appreciate that. And and I think we are drawn to that, attracted to that. Yeah. What would you say would be uh, three keys to personal leadership? What would you say would be guiding principles for Vani Fast? I think I get a sense we've probably heard a lot of these already on the on our, yeah. our podcast here, but specifically even today with stories, what would you, how would you sum these up? Personal yeah. leadership. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this last night, and even Liz and I were talking about it. But grit, for sure, whatever that means to, to what it means to me is is uh, a persistence. Like uh, I show up daily, <laughs> regardless. I'm working, right? Yeah. Like I, I just yeah. I work. I, I mean, sure, there. I mean if I'm sick or whatever, I would maybe call in sick to myself. Hey, Bonnie, can I take the day? Uh, and I give myself the day, but it's really <laughs> rare. Like I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good and tough and firm boss to myself. Sure. So I think I show up daily regardless of whether, whatever's going on in my life. And, um, I think, um, I would affirm that Bonnie in 26 years, you have been wildly consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you might have different emotions that that are are wild, right? Yeah. And you've yeah. described that. So you've had great fear, maybe even you might even say anxiety, but you push through anyway, which is re- it's remarkable that that consistency is there despite. So and you even use the word courage. So I would affirm that as well, Bonnie. Having observed you, it's not that you don't feel the fear; it's that yeah. you actually feel all of it and you go through anyway. That's remarkable, you know. Yeah, it's been remarkable to watch, and I'm excited to see where it's going to keep going. That's cool. Yeah. And that, you know, in the grit thing for me too, is this constant improvement, this continuous improvement cycle. Like I'm never quite, I'm always trying to master my craft and 10,000 hours, you know, and, and sure. get, it's funny because I, I was just offered a thousand dollars to speak. I've been sharing my story in the industry of how I built my business hundred percent through referral, which is true. And sharing mm-hmm. teaching realtors, how to ask for referrals, how to plant the seed, all the stuff we used to do because they struggle with this. And in that message, I've been, and I talk about gratitude, and sometimes I tie in our gifts. You know, it's a beautiful pairing. But yeah, just um, now I've been offered a thousand dollars to speak, and people are like, "Oh, you have a gift when you're in front of the." And I was like, mm. "Wow, that is yeah. so." You know, I would have never, but it's because of the ten thousand hours I've done. Sure, sure. Um, so I think this, I do. You know, I went through a struggle this year, and I made three decisions. I'm going to show up for my exercise every day. I'm going to show up to meditate, even though I suck at it. I think I don't like it, but I show up sure. every day. I do it. Yeah. And I'm going to show up for my work. And, um, you know, I think having those pillars and constant things, no matter so what. In this same podcast, you've described hating speaking and having extreme anxiety, taking three months to prepare for a message years ago to yeah. people who love you and want to see you to getting paid a thousand dollars to just share your thoughts to a group of people you don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. How about it? How about it? You're helping people. And what I have noticed with you, Vani, is that we get the same Vani, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's from the stage, it's really the same voice, the same narrative uh, in each. 
So that is a, it's unique, by the way. I think you've seen enough speakers to know that's not always the case. So I really do. I appreciate that, that about you. What's coming up next? I mean, what's, what's exciting for, for Vonnie coming up? Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. I think there's something for me around following the joy in some way. And uh, I'll just go back a second because a couple of other keys to my personal leadership is coaching myself, constantly reading podcasts, things like that, mm-hmm. coaching with others. You know, I just signed on to coach with John Israel, which has been incredible. So far, having community, people I reach out to, you know, I'm, I, I have no awkwardness in asking mm. you, know, you, Tony, Joe, Adam, right. like all these people, John Kane, Angie, for advice or their perspective on things. So I think, you know, continuing to be really open-minded about, so what's, what's next for me is I want to follow the joy more. I want to really key into what I love about this business what I don't totally love about this business and not let go of what works, but really go where, you know, when when I think about relationships and deeper relationships, you know, I look at what John Rulin has created and follow that. I know that brings me joy and makes me come alive to build deeper relationships. So keep following the joy and doing, making sure building this business and doing meaningful work with people. I love relationships that matter to me, you know, incredible product. I just, I'm such a Cutco loyalist. Uh, so you love Cutco more now than you did as a kid at 19, 18. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I had no idea back then. Of, yeah. Huh. I mean, I think I've stayed with it because my clients have been like, wow, this is so, you know, 20 years later, they're like, thank yeah. you so much. Like, this is a great product. We love it. I still get geeked up. I got some purple Cutco this year and I'm just I'm such a nerd. I actually, I love it. I'm like, I'm a purple Cutco. Like, I love it. Like, I got a lot of Cutco in the house, but I reach for the purple Cutco now because it's, it's new. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not the only. Do you get some purple Cutco? I don't have purple Cutco. Oh, Purple's my favorite God. color too. So I got. I think we can. I think we can remedy this. I got it. it I've missed the window, but I'm sure we can for Vonnie fast. Yeah, we might have to work that out there. Yeah. So a little bit professionally, how about personally? What gets you fired up for the next five, ten years here? I mean, we're hitting some sweet, sweet years coming up here. Three years, dude. I'm 45. My God, that just yeah. I would say personally. So yeah, professionally, just like keep an open mind. I never could have seen where I'm at today when I was 30. So where, where will I be when I'm 50, 55? I don't know. Hopefully doing this business, building this deeper and um, loving on people. As far as personally, yeah, just like love my life. Like I love the life I've built here with my wife. We were married for six years. Now we've been together for nine, like just continuing to have amazing. We both like to travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Machu Picchu a couple years ago. We uh, we want to go Scotland, England, Ireland next year. Like just travel. We have a, a cat. Maybe you know, maybe get a dog. We'll see. But you know, just keep it simple. I mean, I mm. keep it simple. I really do work on my gratitude of just like loving the life I have while creating and building upon that, and just ordinary moments that become special because I'm paying attention. I think just yeah. Well, Bonnie, I've loved growing up in this business with you. I loved seeing the rock star that you are and uh, so excited about the, the, I think the best years are still in front of you. And we see the foundation and kind of where you're at right now and all that you've done to get here and all the people you've helped inside our company, outside of our company. I really do feel like you've, uh, you've set yourself up here for some really powerful and fruitful years going forward. I'm, I'm really excited to continue to watch that and, and celebrate that with you. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for spending some time with us today and sharing your story. I know that this this could be a tricky. And you're super busy. 
So thank you for uh, carving some time out for an old friend to just connect today. And you are an old friend. And I love having grown up in this business with you two, a constant inspiration. So thank you for, for doing this today. Appreciate it. All right. That was Vonnie Fast with Trent Booth. I loved hearing Vonnie's story. I know that's something that not everybody in the Cutco world knows as uh, we don't necessarily get to see our Canadian friends as often. I enjoyed where Vonnie asked the question, what's one thing I could do right now with what I have? And that is a great focus for anyone in any situation. What is in your control and what can you do right now? I enjoyed Vonnie's top concepts for personal leadership and in particular, the concept of grit. She is clearly someone who has shown a ton of persistence in a lot of situations. Her three decisions she made to get through a time of struggle, which was daily exercise, daily meditating, and showing up for work, doing what she was supposed to do on a daily basis. And of course, uh, the idea of following the joy and thinking about what is it in life that makes you come alive, finding ways to do more of those things in your life and in your work. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks very much for listening to Trent Booth and Vonnie Fast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.